Ooh, that looks tasty. Support for Boards and Brews comes from Sovereignty. Play board games in a 3D environment on any device. Play smarter. Welcome, folks, to the Home Gamers, back with another episode of Boards and Brews. And today I am joined again for the second time by Alex Radcliffe of Board Game Co. And so we're able to skip on a part of our rapid fire questions to get started. But just in case somebody's been under a rock and has not seen one of the 47 videos you put out every single week. Sounds about right. Yeah, I think. I think I think I've seen like 12. Mm, this past today. week, it was only like 42. I'm, I'm slipping. Well, you age. It's catching yeah, up with yeah. all of us. Yeah. Um, but for the people who don't know, who the crap are you? What is your channel and what is your shtick? I'm Alex Ratcliffe. My channel is Board Game Co. And my shtick is I like games. Now, in terms of how that comes out across the channel, usually it does involve me talking about Kickstarters a lot. Although, to be fair, my favorite pieces on the channel are usually when I talk about topical conversations where I, I go into some sort of topic whatever that topic might be something to do with the industry something to do with how we approach gaming how i approach gaming the way i look at things that's my favorite bit but but kickstarter is what i tend to be popular for uh which is fair because kickstarter is getting more popular each year yeah, and uh, and uh, well it's a good thing you're on because that's what we're gonna be talking about later and also the new the new kid on the block game found mm. who's game found i've never heard of it uh-huh you, you are yeah. not a good liar Nope, never heard of it. Ah, but I see your mug, sir, and we are on boards and brews. What is your brewed beverage? Now, I don't know if you can read that mug, because I don't know if it's reflected or not, but that is a fun mug. Let's see. Can you read it? Is it the right direction? Let's see. Number one. Yes, I have so many games, too. No, they are not like Monopoly. <laughs> uh, yes, I need them all. No, I haven't played them all. <laughs> no, I haven't played them all. Yes, I spent a fortune on them, and no, I don't have a problem. Beautiful. Were you reading that backwards or the right direction? Uh, the right direction is the uh, cool. just the, the, the glare on occasion. I should I should have said backwards because a lot of people I, were but, just listening to the podcast on this and they would have been like, wow. Well, that is impressive. But for me, it's reflected, which is why. Uh, but as far as what I'm drinking, I'm drinking cold brew because I tend to have coffee. That's my beverage of choice. Sometimes seltzer, but more often coffee. And it is 830 at night for me, which means coffee is obviously the go to choice. Yeah, I mean, I'm who needs sleep? I mean, if you're going to keep mm -hmm. up with 40 plus videos a week, can't, can't sleep. sleep. Well, so for myself, uh, last time I believe I had coffee, but this time I have a from my favorite local brewery called Fort Point. I'm going to pick up the the can to look at it because they 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 deliver. If you order mm -hmm. over, you know, 50 bucks, they'll deliver. So every like four months, I do an order and they drop it off, and they always have something new because it is a small local brewery. And this one, mm -hmm. I had never heard of such a thing. It is a yuzu ksa rattler so it's a kolsch ale with a little bit of yuzu in there it sounds delicious beer is yeah. fascinating any form of ale beer any of these things i find that i like the beverage in general but i rarely like it enough to go back for the same thing i do like trying new things i like ooh, that's a, like a pale ale i've never seen before and i try it and i appreciate the beverage enough that combined with the newness and the experimentation that's my perfect spot for any form of beer lager ale all that stuff well if they sent to ohio i would tell you to order some beer. It, it's pretty mm. good and you know you use it as an interesting flavor anyway which most people know from watching like the Food Network because it's always on the Food Network. Mm, but Uzu, a, uh, yep, definitely been definitely aware of what Uzu is. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Well, for for people who anyone who doesn't know, it is a citrus from 
I don't know if it's China or what part of Asia, but it's an Asian citrus fruit, and that is what it is. And it's pretty darn tasty. I I'm glad say. you explained it for those people who who don't know what it is. That they may have found that helpful. Yes, I mean, because yeah. you are a, a board game connoisseur, and people are less familiar with your uh, other channel, uh, Citrus Food Fruit Co. Yeah, a uh, food board, food food game co. No, food, food game co. Food, yes, food game co doesn't sound right. That's a game channel. Food and, food make co. There you go. And the good news is we've lost everybody who is listening. They are officially right mm. out. They're well, gone. that's cool because that means I can say what I want now. I know. Well, that's what I've been getting because I'm gonna. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna clip whatever you say anyway. And I'm just going to, you know, put it together just so it says, I'm Alex. Games are horrible. I'm just going to put that out there over and over again. Honestly, let's just save you some time. I'm Alex. Games are horrible. I don't really enjoy them. They're they're just kind of something I do because I think people want to see people talk about games. So I pretend to like games because, hey, people will watch me and then I'll be excited for that. And all the big bucks that you make. Yeah, and all the big bucks I make. Yeah. There you go. You don't have to go through all the editing trouble now. Well, that's much less fun. Now I'm gonna have yeah. to like put it, put it, put it, put it together the other way. All right, but here we go. So, what have you been playing lately? We're gonna get to what's on your table. Which, if uh, you're just listening, he we can actually halfway see it behind him, but he has a light set up, so you can't quite fully see it because he's he's a cruel, cruel man. Spy, but uh, what are you? Sub, subterfuge. Yeah, it's it's very it's it's it's, it's uh, very sneaky. But so, what have you been playing lately? We'll do that before we get to what's on the table. So that question always has like twenty different answers. Just inherently, I play a lot of games. I try to get a lot of games played, both games that I love for my own collection, and then content and playing all that stuff. And lately, I've had the actual opportunity to play a little bit of both to dabble in games that I want to dabble in for personal pleasure and for content and that's going to be too many bones is one example one prime example that i must have spent like i want to say three or four hours on probably more in the past two weeks which is a delight because it's one of my favorite games and i don't pull it out often enough Uh, so that was and i was able to justify pulling it out both because a i love it and it's awesome and b because they have a game found campaign about it so there's an incentive to finally review a game that i've had for so long and never actually reviewed Uh, and your wife wanted you to you know hit the weights a little bit and exactly hit the weights yes uh funny about that there, there was this youtube channel small little upstart who uh had a funny little video about how heavy too many bones is was is is definitely is oh, is and it will be more so yes it'll be more bones more bones i'm i can't even imagine how you can make that thing heavier my table is not well suited for that yeah. uh, well you so so i, I have my, my my trove chest it, it's there is one real bookshelf in, in my, my game room here that it's you know made of wood this isn't ikea wood like it's wood and that's what it sits on I, I won't put it anywhere else when i when i made my video i actually had to bring in something from outside that was sturdy wood that we'd built to you know stack heavy things on i mean it's a it's a deal and then i have i have my my, my little box here this is just if i ever there's, there's nothing in here this yeah. is just if i ever want to take some bones somewhere to play yeah for a while i kept that for whenever i would talk about too many bones in the video so i could have something because i can't pick up that trove chest but then eventually it uh went bye-bye so maybe when i get unbreakable i'll have a new uh display case for it but yeah the, so all right so the, 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 there's your that's first one, one. that's one there, there, there's one all right i'll, I'll toss up my, my my first one because i don't have as many because i've been doing a theater production and so i haven't been playing a lot but i was just given for my birthday the expansion to Nadavalier, Thingvalier, Thingvalier, 
And so I've been playing a bit of Nadavalier. Finally got to, uh, the, got to play with the expansion. And for those of you who don't know, Nadavalier is a very fast coin or uh, a drafting game where you're making sets and it has this cool auction mechanic where you're using coins. And as you use the coins, you have the option to play a coin that's worth zero. But if mm-hmm. you use the zero, the two coins that you haven't used that round, you get to combine them and get a bigger coin, which is great. And you're making these sets of the five different colors of dwarves. And so the expansion adds in a, another region you can go to draft things from. And these are cards that are multicolored or these artifacts that had add all kinds of new in-game scoring conditions and things. And it is great. It's fantastic. If you like the first game, you just, you have to have it. And I feel stupid that I didn't have it because it's actually, great. yeah, I have the expansion. I haven't actually pulled it out and combined it yet. I've read the rules, but haven't mixed and matched the, the sets. And I should, because Nevalier is an awesome experience, but one that needs the variability to keep it fresh over continued plays because it's one that I kept diving into because of how much I enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to breaking that out. Uh, my number two, I'll go with Through the Ages, which is another classic that I pulled out to play that I haven't played in a long in, time. Were you playing it in Meat Space or were you using an app? Oh, no, no, no. In real life. I like the app, but it does not give me... It, it makes the experience more streamlined but it takes away the social element of two people sitting at the table or three people sitting at the table going head to head and building your empire i still find the app to be not as good as real life despite the extra maintenance real life provides but because of that it's been a long time since i played it's probably been seven eight months since i played it in person and i was very happy to pull it out that one didn't even have the justification of hey i'm doing videos that was just it's through the ages i want to play it it's been too long so that's my number two pick of what I've been playing recently. And what ridiculous, nonsensical technology combination did you have? Because the last time I played, I had bronze only, but I could go to space. Ooh, that, I mean, that sounds fun, but I don't remember at all the specifics of what I do. I just, I'll tell you what I did do that was different. Than no, no, we're talking about thing. playing this game, not not your daily life. Mm, of, no, I'm talking know. about through the ages. Uh, the thing I did differently this time that I haven't done in the past but and i and i'm sure lots of people out there have i just didn't because i don't like giving up turns so in, in through the ages this concept of giving up your full turn in order to get a technology earlier on with that at a lower science cost and i rarely ever do that because i really like my turns in the game and I, so i don't do that but like turn two or turn three if i'm in turn three turn three of the game i gave up my turn to be able to get a democracy or i think it was democracy whatever one of the first governments is in play get by giving up two science on a third turn, gave it up and went straight to that and already started off with five civic actions, three military actions on my third turn of the game. It was brutal to give up a turn that early, but I, I went for it. I wanted to try it out and see. It hurts. It hurts every time I do it, but uh, but it was something new and different that I did. And did, did you ride that wave to victory? I'd rather not talk about it. <laughs> no, no, I didn't win. I didn't win. It was close. It was close. I did not. I did not walk away thinking that i shouldn't do it again i I walked away losing but being comfortable with that loss yeah all right so so i but we're on a roll of old gold games because the other one that i I just i do have a new one but i saved it for last so i don't look like i'm only playing new games okay well you know well that's good because i started started with with a with a new one because here in america nadavalier and thingvalier is technically a 2021 game yeah though in france it's like 2002 i don't know it's been forever there we're Um, so gone but my next one is one of the first games I ever bought hobby games. And the first ones that got me into it 
Mysterium. So mm-hmm. I had some friends over celebrating the uh, uh, my 40th birthday. And so we pulled that one out because I'm just kind of doing kind of a long drawn out birthday where just bringing small groups over, you know, safety. And then, you know, some of my friends don't play games at all and some like party games and some want to, you know, play too many bones. So, you know, let's, let's separate those groups, you know. So Game of Mysterium, which we got to the very end and we had the best logic for what the final path had to be which of these three paths of how the ghost died like it has to be this i mean the logic was perfect sounds like you're wrong completely not even <laughs> close <laughs> my, my wife was uh, was the ghost and we did it it was like she's like no we're like but the logic's great and she's no it's terrible because clearly it was this we're like oh and we we were great we cruised right through we had like three rounds left nope so this wasn't my pick. I, I will come to another pick, but I'm going to add something I did play this week, which I played multiple rounds of code names this week. And I had one clue. I start off the round with Electronics 5. Okay, that was my clue. Electronics 5. And I'm just going to give you a bunch of cards that were on the table there. Uh, there was, there was, and cards that are relevant to this clue. So there's Electronics 5. There was drone, there was washer, there was break, there was battery, there was charge, there was Tokyo, and there was Apple. Okay, which five of those are you picking? Um, I'm I can repeat them if you want. Drone. Excellent. Boom. That's right so far. We flip the card next. Um, battery. Yep. Night. Right. Go for it. Let's see. Uh, I'm not going to go with washer. I think that's right out. Tokyo. That's interesting, but I'm going to say that one's out too. And then so it would be the other three of them. Okay. In what order? The order matters here. Ooh. Uh, what, what What were the other three that I? The other three were battery, uh, break. Uh, apple yeah battery break and apple okay so so i'm gonna go battery break apple okay so you sir are a brilliant man we should play code names you're not right but you're close to right no no you're, you're close to right you're close to right so the order you went with makes complete sense to me the only one that was not correct was apple apple was not correct uh the correct answer was break because electronics break a lot once you go in there um and then oh no so you, so you said break you said break Yep. The correct one was Tokyo, because Tokyo is actually known for, like, I think the International Electronics Fair is Tokyo. They make a lot of electronics. Uh, I All was those waffling things between Tokyo and Apple. But we haven't got to the main point. The main point is I looked at the board. I gave that clue five, and I realized Apple might end up as any one of those answers, and I was, I was fine with it. It is what it is. First clue, washer, because washers are electronic. I was not, I am not friends with that person anymore. <laughs> wow. Yep. You and I were on the same wavelength, it was yeah, a little just, off, but I was comfortable with that. That's just horribly wrong. Yeah, it was horribly wrong. His first clue was they washer. should stop playing games. Yeah, uh, if we could record this segment, use this segment. This segment is recorded. Yeah. I am going to send this link to someone out there. <laughs> yeah, good, excellent, and I and I hope they live chat with us when we do it. All right, mm-hmm. but so what's your next one? Mine was Mysterium. So my next one, otherwise, would have been Mythic Mischief. And normally, I wouldn't want to talk about um, something that isn't even available to others in this segment. I mean, I'd want to talk about other games I've played, like Aquatica, like uh, Maquis. But Mythic but you Mischief... you need to flex a little bit. That's I need to flex thing. a little bit. But more than that, Mythic Mischief is... I started playing it solo because they actually uh, gave me the solo components. I have a filmed uh, video that went up on my channel at some point. You can probably check out. But it's uh, Mythic Mischief. And the reason I'm willing to talk about that is because... It is rare. I love a lot of the games I play. 
it is still rare that I actively play prototypes as if they are final games in my collection. It's rare that I like a game enough that I'm like, I will pull out the prototype, even though it's not finished, even though it's not this, even though it doesn't have all the stuff. But Mythic Mischief is a game I keep coming back to. And so if you are someone who's back Mythic Mischief, understand that this is a game I really keep playing again and again and again. And yes, you can still late pledge it. And no, I don't get a cut if you do. So yeah, that's over on GameFound as well to late pledge. Well, I, you know, I feel like that's more of a reason to back it that you don't get a cut, really. 100%. All the games I get a cut from, which are so far zero, those games you should never trust me on. Yeah, that's true. You know, that, I was, as you were saying, that there's only, I think, two prototypes that I've played many times in, in the time being. One one is I is no longer need because it showed up, but Merchant's Cove, I nice. played that a ton. And then the one that we talked about, Theurgy. Yep. Yeah, and I they figured. and I have the prototype or the the advanced copy of the co-op rules for the that co-op. Nice, which I didn't get to try. I took it to a convention and, and it just we just didn't get to it. But boy, I'm excited about that one. You know, when Kickstarter show up in 2048 or yeah, know, there's many that I've gone back to once or twice. There's many like there's many where I'm like I want to play it again because whatever. But then the ones that I've keep diving back into, the ones that I literally put on my shelf next to my finished games. Those are rare. Usually it's okay. in my prototype pile and I, I'll pull it out occasionally. Yeah, so so you got the Mythic mythic Mischief and any others could come to your mind of the prototypes that you've gone oh, back to? I've gone back to. Um, I'd have to think through. I know Fall of the Mountain King is a game I've gone back to. Um, there's uh, the Witcher I had to send on, unfortunately. What Part of the problem, by the way, is many of, my, many of the ones I would consider actually have to be sent on, unfortunately. Um, comfort creatures by or creature comforts from uh, what's it called uh, ktbg is one that we played a few times no longer have it unfortunately but i did have it for a bit before we had to send it on uh what other games mosaic is one that i got one more plan before they made me send it on there are there you are a know bunch you of them. sent it to me right mm, did i i don't remember i could send it back Oh no, it's okay well we'll, we'll talk about it we'll talk about it. it's not the last time we're going to yeah, talk it's about actually mosaic it's, a, it's a side note <laughs> I did not anticipate that to be so big. Yes. Like I was actually on, um, was recording with Mark Dainty for mm -hmm. Boards and Brews and it showed up and I was like, hold up. Cause there were you know, that bang at the door. And I was like, oh, let me go see what it was. And I brought it back and I was just laughing. He's like, what? I was like, well, look at the size of this thing. And so I stopped and opened it up and I was taking out just the player boards, which are the size of your torso. And yep. just insane. Ridiculously large, I, and I don't remember what the final game was because I remember there was pushback on that, and I think they gave a an option for smaller player boards. I think it was an option because some people wanted the large ones, some people didn't. Uh, but it is the player boards are unnecessarily large. But have you actually played the game? No, because I'm waiting Ooh. to get uh, my uh, uh, my buddy uh, who people who watch the show a lot know know him as Streamline Matt. When we can get someone else down, so we, we can try it because that, that's his style game. Cool, really, really big. And at one point, I asked, him, "Was like, do you want to take this and like you know learn it and teach it?" And he looked at the size of the box and he went, "Nope." So <laughs> it's actually very easy to play. Um, it is. It plays better at three and four. I think three is the sweet spot for me, but four is pretty good. Yeah, that like, was honestly, that was what game, I thought, which is why we haven't played yeah. it because my no, wife's not going to play that. Two is still good. I've enjoyed it at two. It's a game that I would play at two and still enjoy it. But yeah. Yep. And case, so yeah, that's that. Those are some of the uh, the ones the protests have gone back to. There are others. I just don't remember them offhand. Yeah, yeah. All right. And so my last one that I played recently, I think I'm even going to interrupt, but that's okay. Is a party game. Stay cool. Oh. 
Have you played it's it? Just out of arm's reach down there. Yeah. And so for yes. people who don't know, it's a game of multitasking, which recent research says is actually not a thing. It's Correct. just divided attention. Yes. So it's a game of divided attention in which one person is being asked questions verbally by one person they're trying to answer at the same time someone else is answering is asking them questions which they have to spell out with these dice the answers in front of them and then there's a timer that's going and then the second and third rounds not only are you answering questions out loud and spelling questions you also have to tell them to flip the timer and then in the final round you can't even see the timer and you have to, to tell them to do it and boy that game is hilarious as long as you're willing to accept that you can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you're great, but, but a buddy of mine, my, my buddy Ken, who, you know, doesn't really play, play, play games, but you know, he'll, he'll, he likes Mysterium a lot and he'll come over and every now and then he'll try. Actually, it's on a side note. Uh, uh, at one of my birthdays, well, one year I started, I was going to have, okay, if you want to come to play like the heavy games, we start early. And then by the end of the night, we're going to do like party games and stuff, you know, Mm-hmm. but you know he just you know he, he was best man at a wedding he's like no i'm coming the whole time he came over and my buddy bernie lynn from dead alive games showed up with his new kickstarter some 4x game phoenix something another <laughs> and he's like we're gonna play and, he's, and ken's like okay and i've never seen a more confused human being in my life and i'd look i was like ken how's it going he's like i don't know <laughs> so i said would you like me to fill up your drink he'd say yes and then the game ended i was like how was it ken and he goes I drank three drinks, so good. But so Ken, nice. he's playing this game and he just starts just laughing because like he he literally he's like I can't, my hands don't work, my brain doesn't work, I don't know what's happening. So stay cool is the other one I've been playing. Yeah, I enjoy that one. Still have it on my shelf. Uh, it's one that is a cute little crazy game. Uh, my favorite part is how you kind of think you have a handle on things until you realize you forgot the timer. You always forget the timer. Yep. Or you're feeling really good with the dice. And then it makes you stack them up in a color order or, <laughs> it, you know, it asks you one of those things where it's what, it, what letter is exactly in the middle of this word. And then it's like, Oh, and your brain O-R. just stops. That, that's good. You that's see, good. you see, you see, I got, you got it there. Yeah. It took me a while, you know, mm-hmm. my, my, my old brain here. All right. So, so what, what, what's your, your, your last one or two that you got, that you've been playing lately? Oh, I mean, I mean, I went through the main ones, but we have a bunch. I've been playing Aquatica. Aquatica is another fun game that we got to the table recently. That's as far as, you know, playing for uh, for fun. As now, far is, as playing... is that the one that that game sometimes is over in like four minutes? Is that Aquatica? No, no, I don't okay. think so. Unless it's the different Aquatica. Aquatica for me is a quick, fast-paced game, but it ranges, I would say, 30 minutes to an hour is r- roughly what it falls into. No, it must be different. One of the podcasts that, that I listen to that, that I like, they talk about, you know, whenever it came out, a game and saying, oh, it's really fun. Might be over in four minutes. I thought it was Aquatica, but it must not be. Is it the one with a little submarine on the cover? I, I have no know. idea. It's a podcast, so I can't see anything. Either way. Um, past that, I played a Rolling Heights for coverage. Rolling Heights is going to be a AEG's Kickstarter in 2022. That's not even on people's like lists yet because nobody's talking about heard it. that one. It, most people haven't. It's from John D. Clear. Uh, implements some of the mechanisms from Cubitos, but applied to a city-building game. I, I read the rules and was thoroughly unimpressed and then put it back on my shelf and did not play it for like three weeks. And then I played it and it's really fun. 
it's really because I read the rules and I was like, oh, congratulations. Like the same way John declared he took card crafting and then applied it to all his games. I was like, great. He took the Kibitos method of rolling stuff and then re-rolling them and pushing your luck. And he put it in another game that looks less interesting than the racing game. I'll get to it. But when I played it, I actually like it more than Kibitos. It's really, I don't think it does anything amazingly innovative, but it's a fun little study building game with the push luck mechanics that is really simple and nothing innovative, but just satisfying to play. You know, I'm, it's, I'm glad you said about the rules because one of them that's on my table right now, close to the same thing of a read the rules, read the rules, and I just couldn't get it. Yeah. And finally, as I, I talked to the designer, I was like, okay, I know you are nine hours ahead of me. <clears throat> it is a Monday night, 10 p.m., and I, I'm a school teacher. We're going to do this. I'm going to bring somebody. Please explain this to me. So yeah. we'll talk about that in a minute. All right, but it's funny because I was on this uh, Facebook post the other day and uh, I saw like this really arrogant guy who was like, I can read the rule book for a game and I already know if I like it or don't, but like I'll go through playing it just to see. But like if we were applying that to uh, to to what's it called? To Rolling Heights, I, I wrote it off as soon as I read the rules. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, because uh, I, I have said something similar to that. And they're, recently they're, they're... on Facebook? Oh, yeah. Um, now, not exactly like that. I've said there have been times when I've read the rule book and been like, I could review this game right now. Then I played it <laughs> and I'm like, I was totally right. Oh, to, to be fair, I actually agree with you. 95% of the time when I read a rule book, I already know whether, I already have a good feeling of whether the game is for me or not. It happens to be there are exceptions and Rolling Heights is one of those exceptions. Yeah, I, I do really like when um, I'm just wrong and, you know, in, in the good way. Because, yeah. you know, I, I still sometimes will take a game and I'll be like, I don't know if I'm going to like this, but there's something interesting about it. Um, or I think it's going to do really well. Sometimes that'll happen too. I'll be like, all right, I think, I think this is going to do really well. So I got to dive in like a um, well, fractal to begin with. Like mm-hmm. 4X is not my genre. I don't like it, but my buddy Streamline Matt loves it. So I looked at the rules and I was like, huh, that looks kind of neat. And he really wants to, all right, no, I'm going to do this. And boy, I was just thrilled, thrilled. And I, and I like it for more than you do, but that was one that I would have been wrong on, um, you know, had I just like, ah, I'm going to let that go. What is on your table right now? At first, I thought it was too many bones because of the chip trays, but then I see miniatures. So I don't we know. Got what chip is. trays, it's chip trays, like all these things, nice little chips. Do these help you at all? Uh, not, oh, Maybe is not. that? The new Elder Scrolls thing? It is not. Sadly, I do not have a uh, prototype for the new Elder Scrolls thing. I do have this little miniature pair oh, over here. Oh, you're playing Isofarian Guard. Good job. The yes, 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 yes. The game that so the uh, Clint Cabrera is works yes. with them, and uh, we're we're buddies on well, mostly on Discord, and mm. I have been merciless with him for the past forever, but. Like, can't wait to play when it shows up in 2942. And then other people were getting it to play. And he's like, see, it exists. I was like, I don't see it. It's not <laughs> here. Where is it? Come play. So tell me about it. But don't yeah. be glowing. Don't be too glowing if you like it a lot, because I don't want to feel bad that I'll be waiting till oh, oh, I you, have... Clint, that I'll be waiting till 3487. 
I have meaningful critiques. Right now it's set up actually before it was underneath my table. Right now it's on top because I'm about to film my uh, first impressions of it. And that's primarily because of the fact that the pledge manager closes soon. In fact, it is possible that by the time you're listening to this, uh, watching, listening to this, it's possible the pledge manager is closed. So apologies for that, but that just, it literally happens to be on my table. This wasn't planned. But in any case, uh, it's one that I really enjoy a lot of aspects from it, but I do have meaningful critiques, uh, critiques that may or may not be changed or adjusted as the game plays out, but certainly affect the way I, I approach it. But I will say a few things. First of all, this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who followed the campaign. The foreteller app, the narrative, the story, all of that is amazing. Uh, exactly what I thought it would. And they didn't just do it for like one or two clips. Everything is a joy to listen to. It's literally a game where I get up to a story point, I hit play, I sit back, and I close my eyes, and I just seven minutes later, I'm back to the game. I don't do that for other games. I do that here. The foreteller really immerses you in the games. So that's a good solid pro there. The chip combat. The chip combat is much more meaningful and satisfying than I thought it would be. And I don't mean even just building your bag. I mean, like, literally, just once your bag is there, just the way you trigger chips and activate cards and have to choose where and how things go and how each character has their own mechanic of things, really satisfying. Not, you know, it's not, uh, let's say, Gloomhaven-level depth. It's not even necessarily chip, th uh, chip theory games or too many bones-level depth. But it is really satisfying and is more nuanced and strategy to the combat than I thought there would be based on looking at the game. Those are the main two highs, uh, better combat and bag building than I thought, as well as a story that I assumed would be well done and just audio brings it to life. The biggest meaningful critique I have of it, well, I have two meaningful critiques. One is personal, one is perhaps less so. Uh, the personal one is the fact that at the end of the day, it's still a campaign game, and it's a long campaign game. I'm like four or five hours into this, and I feel like I've barely scratched the surface of what's going on here. Uh, so there's a lot of campaign, and that's a good thing in terms of people who want a lot of content. For me, that means because I, I play a lot of games and I don't yet have a lifestyle that lets me focus on one game, it does mean that it's the kind of thing I would want to play in small batches, but then I'd have to like get mentally prepped for pulling it out again. And it's a problem I find with a lot of campaign games where I really enjoy it, but then the question is always, do I pull you out again? Do I, do I sit there and say, okay, it's been three months since I was playing you, do I pull you out again and continue? Or do I leave you set up? Uh, nothing has really lasted more than like a month on my table. Well, so let me share what I've started doing. Cause I, I'm in mm -hmm. that boat. Go ahead. Cause I got a couple of games like that. And so what I've started doing, I've just committed, you know, when I get myself ahead of a few videos. So I was mm -hmm. like, I, I could not record this week. I'll take one out and I'll leave it set up for three days. And I'll play two or three games, put it away. It's been great. So I have, uh, so I, don't care. I got Madara right here that I've been doing that with. And I just bought myself the Galaxy Defenders, which was an yes. old favorite of mine. You got it I, back. I got it back. I sold it like an idiot. I got it See, back. I watch your content. <laughs> More, boy, you must be bored. Uh, <laughs> but so, so I got it back. And so I'm playing, playing through that until I played three games of that. That's now put away. As soon as I get ahead again, I'm going to pull this one back out. And then, so that, that's been working really well if my brain can remember what's been happening. So that, I, <clears throat> I, I have a thing on my list to do of ways to make it so that you're more likely to go through campaign games. And I haven't really done that video yet because I need to actually do that so that I can actually say it works. But I have the ideas. And one of the ideas is you have to take notes when you're done. 
do not put it, even if it's just an audio note, whatever it is, uh, but some sort of note system, a little system of I'm up to here and there. I find that whatever the save system of a game is, you need to have some small shorthand notes of some general idea. Okay, we just went exploring here and here. Uh, this is like the gear is always hopefully the game lets you handle the gear better. But you need a little bit of a mental jump of what you were doing last and where you left off. Uh, an audio or text note, I think, is important. Well, you know, you know, a Kickstarter that I would throw all my money at. Mm, and I, I saw that I saw this as a meme for video games. But someone said uh, on the meme, you know, there needs to be um, adult video games in the sense that yes i saw that yep oh. and for the people who didn't it says you know because you know everything knows how long when the last time you logged in was you haven't logged in for four months here's the story so far and cliff notes and here are the buttons yes here are the button combos for those these things and so if someone um, could do that for for board game campaigns i just put in madara and you know i yeah. just tell you know and it will just pop up and tell me where, where i was i would throw my money at that yeah, so so campaign personal choices aside the other meaningful critique i think i have so far is that and again i'm still barely touching the surface here so i don't know how this develops or stays true across the campaign but i have found that the degree of grind in between story points and upgrade points is longer than i would like so battles are a, a fairly decent deal it's not it's nothing it's not a huge thing but it's not nothing either and i find that can sometimes be like five or six battles in between a story point and that's more than i would like i'd like them to average closer to two or three encounters or battles between an upgrade between a story point between something changing things up and so that again it might come down to personal preference the the battles give you a lot of potential grind uh, the problem is i don't yet have a feel for the balance of the game and whether the balance is thrown off if i just skip battles because i don't mind doing that otherwise if i just say oh here's a battle I'm not going to have the battle. I wouldn't mind doing that uh, to to keep the flow going for me. But overall, those are, are the two meaningful critiques I have. Otherwise, it's really it's really solid. It's really well done. I'm enjoying it. So I can't wait to play it eventually. Um, 2042. That's when it's coming. Yep. That's for you, Clint. He's more optimistic. Um, and boy, I hope he comes. I hope he's on the live chat right now and is just That'd be great seething <laughs> we'll send him a link send him a link beforehand so he knows oh oh, clint, oh oh oh, I'll oh, be I will. Clint. oh i will now so the one on my table right now i lean down and grab the rule book here but it is tendaya ah isn't so, that an upcoming game found campaign yes and I, not until like january february mm -hmm. so it's on my table now and this is the one that i was talking with the rule book and i had in my head it was coming in like three weeks and i panicked and I just, oh, I was just struggling. And I had originally talked to Jason Perez about it from yeah. uh, Shelf Stories and yeah. Stop Co-op. And he was talking about it. And so I was totally into the kind of the overall description, description, which is kind of Spirit Island, but more Euro-y. And you can take the invaders and throw them into a volcano. Okay. That sounds fun. Yeah. Right. Win, win, win. Yeah. And so, and at its core, what it actually is, is, uh, well, no, it is that, but, you know, as the, you're, you have your tribe and you are kind of moving about and, you know, you build farms and stuff and you can, you're learning new technologies from other tribes that are out there and you're gathering things. And then at the end of each era, three things, three or four things can happen. There can be tsunamis because this takes place in the Canary Islands and I guess there okay. are lots of tsunamis, which can take all the islands and swamp them and they're gone. 
volcanoes can erupt, and there's a volcano on every island. And if that happens, it destroys everything around it, but it makes more land and will connect islands. There's two gods that you're appeasing as you go through the game. And so you're actually sacrificing things by throwing them into the volcano. Sure. And there's the two different gods, and they are never happy. It's a matter of how how slightly angry they are. And so you're trying Sounds to manage my parents. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> mom, dad, if you're listening, I didn't mean it. It's just a joke. <laughs> your, your mom and dad are the only two people that religiously listen to this. And you're just so managing them in each era. They're going to do something slightly different. And so depending on how, how angry they are, it's how, how far out it will spread. And then there are the conquistadors can show up to conquer. And so you can fight them off. And if you fight them off, you capture them. And to keep the gods from getting angry, you, they each turn, they say, this is the sacrifice we want. It's usually, you know, like sheep and grain and, you know, salt, whatever. But the conquistadors are wilds. So you can just toss them on in. And that is a fantastic mechanic. It is delightful. And the game can be played competitive or co-op. And what had me concerned... And the, the designer, Lolo, he specifically asked me to look at the competitive because One Stop Co-op Shop had it, and clearly they've looked at the co-op in depth. Mm -hmm. My concern was it's got a little co-opetition to it because co-opetition. everybody can die. Okay, like You can all lose. If one tribe is totally wiped out, you all lose. If one of the gods gets too angry, you all lose. And so... What I don't like about those games is it can be if if I'm just losing, I might just be like, screw it. I'll just let her, I'll just let myself die and then we're done. Sure. Always a problem. But you can join up with the conquistadors. Like you can say, I don't think I can win. You know what? You flip your player board and then you're working with the conquistadors. And I haven't seen it happen yet. But I talked to the designer about it. He said, you know, he said that it's hard. But it's possible. So when you're like, I'm out, you know what? Let's see what happens. Flip it over and you have this new challenge. And that to me, also hilarious. Like that made me laugh because I didn't even realize it as I was working through the solo game a few times. I just didn't flip my board over. I didn't even know it was there. And just so, so funny. Now the 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 fast and dirty, my thoughts on it. One, I had a it's weird. The rule book is good. Like it's super clear, but I just couldn't put it all together in my head i just couldn't figure i was like why is this so hard and then you know so i did a tts with the designer and, and it took a while it took you know 40 minutes to learn the game and so i think the big thing i'll be telling people when, when i make a video is it, it's a lot it's just a lot of stuff like when you play you're like oh this is easy i should be able to explain this in five minutes no you can't but there's so many things going on there's so many different elements and it all works but it's like learning a lacerda game but not that hard, if that may, you know, that, that, that kind of tells you. So I'm really excited about it now that I, that I understand it. The person I played with, uh, the designer for Backyard Chickens, uh, Don oh, Gilstrap, nice. yeah, he, he popped on and he, he played too. And the next morning, because, you know, it was 2 a.m. before we were done. And, you know, we talked about it next morning and he said, I really want to come see the, the prototype because I, 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 I can't get the game out of my head. And it's one of those games that just kind of a little bug that kind of sticks in there. But so that's what's on my table right now. And so we talked about all of that. Yeah. And it's good that we both have either soon to be delivered Kickstarters or about to hit Kickstarter or GameFound. So we can talk about crowdfunding because I don't know if it's what 
what is it, 50% of new games are coming from crowdfunding? Oh, it feels like more. I don't know what the numbers are, but it feels like more. It's just, yeah. It feels like everything is crowdfunded. And, yeah, and everything that, that, that you want to play is crowdfunded, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, it's coming from, I don't know, Asmodee sometimes? Yeah. You know? It's like First Seven Wonders, is... the new Seven Wonders, and then crowdfunding. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, the new Ticket to Ride. Mm, that too but isn't that like a little gimmicky toy like more like rush hour no ticket to ride Get out yeah the new ticket to ride isn't there a new ticket to ride like that's like the rush hour game oh there's a new ticket i didn't even know there was one i was just talking because there's 50, no it's, it's like those little rush hour toys where you have to move truck tr- tr- things around but it's a ticket to ride label oh i had no idea i don't want to play that at all <laughs> all right so clearly we back a lot of stuff we talk about it so we got the questions why do we love it why do we hate it you can pick love or hate first. Go. I don't know if I do hate it, which makes it interesting. Why do I hate crowdfunding? Let me start with why I love it, and we'll go back to we'll come back to the hating. Uh, I love crowdfunding because it really makes the entire process a a journey. Like it really does. It turns the entire process of there's a degree of investment in the games you get. There's a degree of you see it. It's exciting. I mean, let's take a step back. Let's take that uh that settles that that seven wonders, whatever it's called again. Seven wonders, I don't know what it's called, the new one. Architects, I don't know. Something like that. Sounds right. Whatever the new seven wonders seven is. Seven wonders, more wonderful. More wonderful. Seven wonders more wonderful. I see that game. You can get that game, and then it either works for me or it's not. And the entire journey, the experience, that forty, fifty dollars is very localized. And if the game is a hit, then sure, it it stays in my collection, I get more enjoyment out of it. I feel for crowdfunding, especially the way I do it, where I try to focus on only backing things that I think will hold their value. It's a much longer and more rewarding journey. I back the game because I don't get that far. Start with that. I see the game. I hear about the game. I see pictures pop up in a Facebook group because you have to have your audience. You have to be building and growing an audience. So I see those pictures of of Endless Winter starting to show up. And I see these cool miniatures from Art by the Micho. And I'm excited. I'm intrigued. And it's it's a designer and a developer. It's a, you know Stan Kodansky and Johnny Pack, both of who I like their 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 work. And I see all that, and I'm, in, and I'm intrigued. And then I I see a pop up on Kickstarter, and then you can back the game. And then you see all these updates, and this journey happens. And you see like, oh look what we just got added. And now we have this like the rule book has that shiny material from like uh, Stonemaier Games. It's like beautiful. And look at all the stretch goals. And look at all the boxes. And look at all these extras. And then the campaign funds, and then you get more updates here and there, and you see things coming up. And then one day a box shows up at your house, and it's a singular box with a singular game as opposed to the way I buy retail games, which is I'll buy like four of them at once in a $100 order to get free shipping. I got a singular box with all my endless winter content, and it shows up at my doorstep, and I get to unbox it and look at everything and, and be excited about it again. And, and then I get to actually pull it out and play it, and then I play it. And at that point, either it's a complete bust and it's not for me, or it is for me. Either way is a win, because if it is for me, then it continues to be a game that I enjoy, but I got this whole early ramp up of enjoyment and investment along the way. And if it's not for me, because I'm trying to back games that I believe will hold or maintain most of the value, I get to turn around and sell it. And effectively, I get the entire experience of retail therapy, but it's drawn out over a year, and I don't even lose the money at the end A year? Come on now. Yeah, a year and a half, two years. It's drawn out over a year and a half, two years, and I don't even lose money at the end of it. So I love it because it really feels like the, and this is potentially problematic because it it does tie into addictive behavior, but I get the experience of the addictive behavior of retail therapy. I get that whole experience and enjoyment and everything, and I don't even lose that much money out of it. I just get games I love 
and turn around and sell the rest and enjoy myself for that entire experience. I am going to go with the hype is fun. You know, the, the, the hype and I love stretch goals. Even when I know that they probably just pulled those cards out of the core game so they have a stretch goal. I don't care. Don't care at all. I mean, I, I do want some substantive things in there that I know, you know, upgrading the components or, you know, whatever it may be, you know, a new character, like those things, yes. But, you know, hey, the in-betweens, I, I don't care because it's fun. And what I like about it is it's the, the excitement of the backers that becomes infectious. That'll get to me. There's nothing more exciting to me than when some random schmo, I say that, that sounds mean. No, some random backer is going on Facebook and posting about this game that they're excited about. I don't mean like me and you, because, you know, we, we, we have a quote unquote brand that we're doing. Oh, I have a good Kickstarter for you to see. <laughs> that to me is really, that to me is so exciting. And that is so much fun. And then if it's a company that can really run a campaign in a way that's fun and the stuff that they're slowly trickling out and they've timed their releases of stuff, Chip Theory uh, it, it is one. We'll talk about them you know, a little bit later, though I actually haven't paid much attention to this game found. It was a, I did a set it and forget it on that one. But they just, the stuff that they come out with just keeps you excited, keeps you interested. So that's the one thing that I love. And I, it's so... I'm willing to spend more money on Kickstarter and GameFound. Like if I walk yep. in, I would never buy a, too many bones in the store. It just it's wouldn't bizarre. happen. It's bizarre. The things we, and it's and it literally can happen to the same game. Like I'll see people who will happily drop $150 on a Kickstarter game. And then that same exact game a year later, when it shows up on someone's doorstep and someone else is trying to sell it, they're like, $150, not for me. Now, there are people who would, who will still buy it later, but there's like a mental aspect where you kind of, you're willing to do it on Kickstarter, but then when it's in front of you, it just seems too expensive. Yeah, it's it's so strange. So it's probably not good that I feel that way, but you know, I do. So I have something I hate. I, I, I was able to come up yep, with Yep, and I, I only got one thing mm -hmm. that, that, that I hate, but you, you go first. So so I don't hate a lot about crowdfunding I, I have potential complaints potential small nitpicks but i really do appreciate the way it integrates with our hobby and and i like it i like it a lot I, I can understand people who don't but i do i think the thing that i do really dislike and it's a problem because i'm part of the problem here i am someone who incentivizes this practice and it's the idea that we all want so much we all want that giant box of endless winter with all the expansion and all the content you are so created. excited about Endless Winter. I, I am. I, I, I have am. not heard someone drop the name of a game this many times in an ever. episode yeah. ever. And so we want all that content. We want all that stuff. And so we incentivize an ecosystem that effectively has people putting out all the content for a game, all these expansions and all these things it's in the way that you never really have the life cycle of a game properly. What we end up doing is instead of having a game come out, we have the content, we're excited, and then an expansion is announced, we have the game come out. Two days later, the first optional buy is announced. Then three days later, the next optional buy expansion, and they're all slowly announced with the campaign. And then the way they build up on that hype in the future isn't with more content, and there are exceptions, but rather with instead of endless winter Paleo-Americans, we have endless winter Neanderthals, the new version of this game. So... And then we're kind of left with this choice. Do we want both of those in our collection? It's not an expansion. It's an entire new product line. 
do we want both? Do we want one, either? And like, there's so many examples. There's Black Rose Wars and Black Rose Wars Rebirth. There's Lords of Ragnarok and Lords of Hellas. Because you have all the expansions distilled into a single experience at one time, the way to grow the line is with a reprint or rebranding. And while I still, even now, I'm like, I'm getting Lords of Ragnarok. I'm part of the problem. But like, it, it takes away some of that journey that you might have with Seven Wonders, the new Wonderful, where you have a game come out and then an expansion and then an expansion. I like the shiny. I like the expansions. I like the all-in pledges. But it does build an interesting ecosystem where we don't properly utilize and learn from the development lifecycle. We just put it all at once and the development lifecycle is restricted to Let's do this again, but bigger. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. I, that one doesn't bother me as much, but I think it's because I'm later into the hobby, and that's just you know mm -hmm. what it's kind of always been. Um, what I'm going to go with, I just hate that backer. You know the oh, backer I'm talking oh, about. Such a jerk. Unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's just you know there will be a, just a, there will always be a few that are just absolute worst. Yeah, and for some reason. They ju it just gets into my soul. It makes me so angry. There was someone today on a campaign, and I apologize if you're watching this video because you might know who I'm talking about, uh, meaning if you, the backer. His name was The Grumpy Backer. That's his name. His name was The Grumpy Backer. And he was complaining about everything. And it was like, are you just self-aware or did you think it was a funny name and you don't complain? But he was just like whining about how the campaign wasn't structured to his exact tastes and desires and like i don't know if he recognizes i don't know if he chose his name because he recognizes any self-aware of his issues or if he just thought it was a funny name and he doesn't put the two together i genuinely don't know so i also have a few uh, facebook uh, messenger chats with a couple mm -hmm. of uh, publishers that are, are have since you know, we work together we, we become buddies and we play games sometimes and sometimes that they'll send me you know a message like, well here's one i got today oh boy and it'll just be like seriously so that there was one and i don't want to out anything so i'll be super super vague and there was a naming opportunity of something in the game that the backers were voting on or it was a competition it was a big thing that it got tons of engagement when they announced the winner and immediately got an email that said that's an unacceptable name if you don't change it to this one i'm dropping my pledge <laughs> my thought was like I, how many ways can you spell spell by but oh people are fascinating the degree of entitlement some people have and the way they think the world is catered around them is it's disappointing sometimes that something about that mentality like i understand frustration i do and especially something to do with names like i i remember there's a campaign i was following where people were voting on what goes on the box art and i didn't like the end results i was like i like the original box design this was to be an improvement and it's actually a step back and you know what i did nothing i kept my pledge i still liked the game and i didn't think the world would change around my minority opinion and so i did nothing and the other backer that bothers me are the ones that are so vehement Kickstarter is not a store. You can't be upset. No, no, you, you, you can be upset. And sometimes you should be upset. Golden Bell, you should be upset. Um, you know, whatever was so, so, so it's that back. Now, to be clear, that, that backer is, I don't know, 5% of backers, maybe. So 
the problem is they make sure that they sound like they're fifty percent. Yes, yes, they are very the noisy. Minority. Can, can, content people don't make noise. You, I think I'm going to make that my new thing. I'll start parading don't. around Kickstarters that I backed and just being like, "I want you to know, I am perfectly satisfied with how this campaign is being run." I demand an answer right now. Why I'm happy. I want to. I want to be the content noisy backer. I want to start a movement. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll take ten percent of whatever you make from that. Mm, this um, isn't a profitable movement. I'm sorry. Oh man. All right. Next one. What is your poison? What is it that a campaign can have that, almost before you realize it, you're clicking back? So it's not going to be the answer you think it is, especially given who I am and what my public persona, so to speak, is, and what I'm publicly noisy about what I like and don't like. But for me. And I'll, I'll give you context, but it's a game that I think will hit the table easily. That's my poison. Something that I look at the game and between the playtime, the player count, the people in my group who I know like that style of game, or maybe it's solo only, a game that I think will have an easy time hitting the table is the one time that I do what I would call an irrational back. Meaning I'll back a lot of things that I am interested in. But a lot of that is based on the idea that, hey, if I don't get game X, Y, if Tainted Grail, it's on the shelf behind me. If I don't play it, that's fine. I can sell it for what I paid for. Uh, we have a, what's it called? Uh, Alter Quest. If I don't play it, I'll sell it for what I paid for it. I will get my money back. And so I justify a lot of unsure backs around the premise that, hey, it's not really a game that I'm backing. I'm just temporarily putting my money somewhere while I enjoy that journey I talked about. And then at the end of it, either the game's from me or it's not. The one time I make that irrational back, the one time is the type of time that I make the irrational back is when I'm looking at a game and I'm like, I just think I'll play that game. I think my wife will like it. I think my game group will like it. It looks like it has a half hour play time. It doesn't look like a 50 hour long campaign. It's not overloaded with four boxes of miniatures and it probably will not hold its value, but I want it. Like a good recent example is Wild Serengeti. I don't know if it'll hold its value or not. I might lose 10, 15 bucks or whatever. I think it'll get played. That is half of, of for for me. Every now and then I'll see something like, you know what? My wife will enjoy playing that. Mm -hmm. Done. Like, yep. sold right away. Right away. And the second part of it is it'll similar. Is if it's something that I'm that I'm remotely interested in, and is a small box. Oh, I'm same not, idea. I am there. Because space is so tough as I look at your palatial storage behind mm. yourself. There's that. But the one that, that just is takes all logic out is if it's something fantasy and something dungeon crawlery, it is a five. I have to like pull myself away and say, hold on. Do I really think this is a good game? Really? Because I, I don't have space for a lot of dungeon crawls in my house. And they are long campaigns and i want the campaign because story grabs me all the time if it's got a good story i'm like really in there so even sometimes games that i don't actually like that much the story is good i'll find myself like racing through the game just so i can get to the story even though i could just read the story but yep. you know i haven't quite i haven't evolved quite that much as a human to just you know <laughs> By the end of this episode, I want to cost you 40 bucks. Oh, you're the worst. Mm -hmm. The absolute worst. So that's my poison. That, that Nice and easy. But 
what people really come to you for is they want to know about campaigns that are going on right now. In fact, I watch more of those videos that you make than probably anything else. So what are the campaigns going on right now that you're super excited about? And, you know, we're going to try to do list ones that might still be going when this thing finally airs, though I know you got one that you want to talk about that's ending in like seven seconds. I do have one. So to, to take the one that's ending real soon first. Sure. So, so and I have I, four anyway, and I'll throw in one of those too. So I'll feel good about myself. I brought four of these to the table and I specifically did not pick some of the easy and obvious ones, but I brought four to the table. One of them has ended already by the time you're watching this, almost certainly. The other three should probably not have been. Uh, the first one, or listening to this, the first one that's almost ending is Beast. Beast is a one versus many uh, asymmetric game of multiple hunters fighting down a monster and the monster has hidden movement as it wanders around the board trying to accomplish its goals which usually involve eating settlers but they can vary based on the scenario you're playing and it is the best hidden movement game i've played to date granted i have not played mind mgmt i've heard good things about mind mgmt so for all those questions to get out of the way i still need to play mind mgmt it's behind me on the shelf somewhere i'll get to it but i really like beasts it has variability. It has powers and abilities. It has, it, whether you're playing as the hunter or the beast, it has scenarios that are vastly different that totally change the way you approach it. It has an accessible playtime. Some of the scenarios are coming at an hour long and some of them will come in at two hours long. It's an easy range of time to play with. It plays well at three and four. I have not tried it at two, but I imagine it plays well at two, although I generally like that collaborative nature when you play these like hunter games. I like two hunters trying to conspire. Where do we think he is? Where, what about here? What about there? I like the table talk it adds both to the hunters as well as to the eavesdropping beast. So now playable too. Interesting. So I'll say when you do play Mind MGMT, yeah. I think Mind uh, MGMT plays better at two. Interesting. Maybe three mm-hmm. because it becomes, you know, you, you, if you play with uh, five, hunt. It becomes, well, if you do one thing and then others don't. So I actually think that game plays better. But so I'm excited, excited you said that because uh, as we talked about before we started recording, I literally showed up yesterday when I'm not going to get anything done before the campaign's out. But so super excited about that one. So well, that's fine. If I'm telling people that now, it's only relevant for them to late pledge. So if they watch your video, they'll know what to do or not. Do. Yeah. Don't go watch his video. Watch mm, mine. It won't be yeah. out for like a month after this. Mm, but that's when the pledge <laughs> manager goes up. That's when it's relevant. Yeah, so mine that's going to be over by the time this starts is right in line with my poison. Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. That game is a blast. So first off, I love Red Dragon Inn. It is pure take that, Mm -hmm. mean as can be. If you don't like take that, run away. But if you like take that and you don't mind being silly, it's great. Love it. So they take all those characters that I love. They have this incredible world that they've built in this take that game that has no story, but they have this world that they built around it and they have this dungeon crawl, which doesn't do a lot that is new. It's yeah. taking a lot of things that already exist and just putting them together in a way that really works. It has, you know, exploding dice. I love exploding dice. The two things that I have that are interesting are the way it uses cards so your abilities are cards you get more cards as you go through and then eventually you have to kind of pick and choose which ones you're gonna kind of put in like you're playing a video game you got to pick you know you only got four buttons you got to pick what you're using but some of the abilities are x uses per fight period others have recharges and so you're kind of 
each character though is different as far as that goes. Like I, I played on the live stream with them and I think it was the, the wizard. All of its stuff are have charges. And so yep. early on, the designer was playing the wizard. He just blew it all and was completely useless the rest of the game. But boy, it was amazing for that one, that one moment while the rest of us were like recharging. So it does that and has this way of, uh, depending on, it does something I love where you can roll the dice and there's never a moment where nothing happens. Something always comes out of rolling the dice, something that the Saddler brothers do very well. Yes. And it's the same thing where, not the same, but it's similar to where if you roll a certain symbol, you get to take the really good die. The black die is a really good die. And it goes in your group pool. And then anybody, anytime, you can just take that die and add it in. Or you can leave it. And then if you're rolling your dice and you roll more symbols than are dice in the pool, you can put another one in. And you can also use those things to cancel attack or you know whatever it is. Nice, simple, fun story. Plays lightning fast. I was on a stream on TTS, max player count, and we still were done in an hour. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, fantastic. So that's my one that is going to be over by the time this is done. But, you know, check it out for the late pledge. All right. Cool. What other, what other ones are you excited about? So the other ones, let me start with one that will cost you 40 bucks or should cost you 40 bucks, which is Skulls of Sedlek. This is from the Button Shy Games, and they have Skulls of Sedlek and the expansion collection. Which will and you everybody 30. I know backed that today. Did they really? Because they, they should. They should. Back so it. many things came through. I, first one came, I was like, yeah, whatever. Then another one came, I was like, yeah, whatever. And I think you were the fourth person to back that Possibly. today. Skulls of Sedlik is... So Button Shy Games has a bunch of games under the belt. My favorite three are Sprawlopolis, Circle of Wagons, or Skulls of Sedlik. And I'm 95% certain that if I had to pick my favorite, it would be Skulls of Sedlik. I think it's close. All of them are good games. But Skulls of Sedlik, it's tiny. It fits into a wallet. If you get the full expansion collection, which will run you $35 plus $5 shipping, $40 for absolutely everything. That's like nine expansions crammed in. That's going to be two wallets. So that's really taking up shelf space. But honestly, if you're on the fence, you can just get the base game. I think the base game is a solid puzzle. It's a two-player experience. I think there might be a three-player variant, if I recall correctly, but I only have really played two. There's also a solo expansion in there, in that expansion collection there, so you can get all that. But it's just this meaty... Like the degree of decision space around shelf space, around rule space, it's such a good ratio. It is such an enjoyable game. I really, really like Skulls of Sedlik. It's accessible. It's 40 bucks for everything. That's all in, all in, all in with all the stuff. And yeah, I like it. What, uh, what, 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 are the, what do you do? What are the core Sure. Things? Basically, you have six cards on the table that you're building up uh, these graveyards. There's six piles of cards. And then on your turn, you either grab a card, you either turn over cards from the piles or you add cards to your hands, or you play cards to your pyramids. But every card is a combination of two different factions, so to speak. You know, you might have priests, or presidents, or kings, or lovers, all these different things. And so every card has two of them in a configuration, which matters because of the way you're stacking this pyramid. And it comes down to trying to manage these scoring objectives. You grab these cards. Where do you place them? How do you place them? Do you want to collect a bunch of lovers? Do you want to place the assassins next to the priests? If you get your kings high enough, high up enough in the hierarchy, then you can start scoring points for all the peasants below you. You have these different scoring objectives you're trying to take into account and then trying to be mindful of the other player and how they're drafting their pyramid and what they're going for. And so it's just a tough little game as to what you take and where it goes in your in your pyramid as you build it out. And then the expansions just add different things you have. So you could have like a dungeon masters or whatever it is, which will score for chains of assassins. There's all these different, just different scoring criteria that you're trying to be mindful of 
as you draft and place a whole bunch of, well, graves in the Skulls of Subluck. <sighs> Sorry, man. You're horrible. I told you. Yeah. I will take your uh, apology and thank you when you get the game and play it. Well, may- maybe, may- you know, maybe, uh, you know, I'm older now. Maybe I'll forget by the time we're done recording. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So I got three others, but one is the Too Many Bones. So I'm not going to talk about it. We'll talk about that at the end. So, and that, that one, I'm all in on the new stuff. Very excited about that. But we'll talk about too many bones later about what we, you know, why, why we love it. Spoiler, we, we both love it. But the other two. So if we're not talking about too many bones, I'll, I'll save it for later too, because that's one of my three. But I'll save it for later. We'll talk yeah. about it later. So I got two other quick ones. And the first one is one that I actually, I, I did a preview for. It just launched today. It's called Geisha's Road. <gasps> I am so jealous. It, I am jealous. It's really good. I love the game. Well, I love the original. I haven't played this one. Yeah. So I, I, I just, it's really good. And it is, because it's kind of an area movement, kind of area majority, not really, but it's the nearest thing I can, I can come up with. And it's so simple. And it's this cassette collection kind of set collection if you're using the expansion the little expansion is great you have to have that little expansion i don't know if everybody they all come with it the customer's expansion and it's from this taiwanese publisher and it's just one of the best easy to play two-player games i've ever played and i put it out and i played it with with, uh, my wife and we enjoyed it but what we both said at the end was i didn't think there was that much strategy to it. Oh, you got yes. the original one. The original. I just realized it's right next to me on the shelf. It's my little two-player copy here. I love the game. Well, do I... you have for the original all of these dudes? No, what's that? What's that? These... What's happening here? There are seven little expansions. For the original? Yeah. That existed before today? I don't know. Well, obviously, because they're in my hand. That's not a thing. Hanamikoji. Hanamikoji. <laughs> There's no expansions for this game. I don't know what these are then. I mean, it says Wait, mini expansions. They're Min- oh my gosh, 2021. There's a whole bunch of mini expansions as of 2021. Yeah, I did not know about this. Wow, this is a 2013 game. I did not realize that they have this expansion. I need to go find. I need to hunt these down. Yeah, I th- I, I think there's seven of them. Um, yeah, I'll send you pictures to make you jealous later tonight. Oh, I'm jealous um, right now. So 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 yeah, but so that's. There is this little kind of rondelle movement mechanic that you're doing with, with with the Geisha's Road that it's just, and the choices that you have to make, they shouldn't be so hard because you have four actions you can take, and each one involves you playing a couple of cards. But what happens is for half of them, two of the actions that you play the most cards, the other player gets to pick out of the cards that you've put out and play one first yeah. so you have it's this puzzle of okay i really need this but i have to give them something out there that's good for them so they will take that and not what i really need it's it's a wonderful fast two-player game so there's that one and i'm glad you're jealous <laughs> i'm so jealous i i love that game and i i it's one of my favorite two-player games i absolutely adore it but yeah so well how come you haven't backed it yet um, because it just launched today and I, I knew it was coming this week, but I didn't get to it yet. It's on my list. Trust me. Trust me. 
in any ways, in any case. So if we're talking about one other then, because I'll save Unbreakable for later, uh, my other one's going to be Resident Evil. Resident Evil from Steamforge Games just launched on Kickstarter today. I guess we're all now, talking is this about Resident Evil ones. 1 or Resident Evil 3? Two? It's the third one in their collection, but the first one in the trilogy order. Yeah, not to be confusing. So they did Resident Evil 2, then they did 3, and now they're back to 1. And I haven't played 2. I have since played 3, but I first played 1. Trying to explain this to people is bizarre. Okay, so again, it came out 2, 3, 1. I have played it in the order 1 and then 3. I have not played 2 at all. Hopefully you follow that. But Resident Evil currently on kickstarter and i really enjoyed this one and as somebody who is a huge fan of zombicide as you may see behind my head over here i didn't think i would go for resident evil i thought it would be hey congratulations theme forge games you made a zombie game with an ip slapped on i don't particularly care enough and i basically told them that when they asked me if i wanted to cover it i mean i was polite i was more polite than that i said hey I thanks for the offer i'd love to cover it but just as a heads up so you know what you're getting yourself into I'm a Zombicide fan, and I don't know if this will hold up to my high standard for a zombie mayhem. And it's totally different, and so it does hold up. It is a very different experience that is far more focused on survivability, far more focused on making every bullet count. You have limited ammunition contrasted with Zombicide, where, well, you don't have limited ammunition. And there's this whole tactical aspect of closing and opening doors to manage how and when zombies act that really turned this into a tense survival game. It kind of feels like they took Nemesis, combined it with Zombicide, and boom, that's Resident Evil. I have nitpicks, I have complaints, I have reasons why I, I still do like Zombicide better, but they're not actually competing in the same genre. They're competing in the same theme, and that doesn't bother me. Feeling-wise, they're very different experiences. All right, and so the only other one I got I know nothing about. I just keep going back to and starting to look at the page and you know getting called away. And that is Paint the Roses. Ooh, like that one. I everybody I know who's played it likes it a lot. And it looks like it's a fun little theme. I have great memories of the Disney uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland and you know Painting the Roses Red, but that is literally all I know. I am intrigued. I keep going back to it. I've actually, over the past week, multiple times, oh, I need to go hit the remind me button on that. And every time it's already been hit. So I'm super intrigued by it. That's all I, I got. I can counter sell you on that one because I like that one. I do. I'm a big fan of it. But I will say that I don't know if it falls as strongly into a game that I need category. I really enjoy it. Um, it's the kind of game where I really hope you try it sometime. And I really hope you get your hands on a copy in some way, shape, or form, whether a friend's copy or something else. And it's good for 10, 15 plays solidly. And I really enjoy it. I also don't know if its longevity will outlast. Uh, I feel similar actually to about Merchant's Cove, honestly, where I feel Merchant's Cove to me is about trying it and experiencing it. And I feel that five years from now, it's not in my collection. I feel the same way with Panther Roses. I think it's a great game. I do recommend it. It's not a game that I look at and think, when will I get rid of it or not? All right. All right. Well, yeah, that helps. I feel better. So maybe yep. I won't. I'm going to go and look again. I'm still intrigued. It's a good game. I'm not saying it's not a good game. I'm just saying there's good and there's good. And that's definitely in the good category. Well, I've been much more discerning about what I, what I back lately. If I don't think I'm going to love it, I don't back it. All right. Mm -hmm. Last thing before we get to our real, the real meat and why everyone's here and been listening for however long we've been going. What previously backed game? I'm, I'm going to try to limit us to no more than three. I brought 17. 
Of course you did. That's what I'm saying. No more than three. Fine. Pre, what previously backed games are you the most excited to finally show up? And we're going to say we're going to assume that they're going to show up, I don't know, the next six or seven months. I'm going to go with two games I already talked about and a third. Mosaic, Primal, and Endless Winter. All right. Okay. I'm going to go with Oathsworn. I, I think maybe it's going to make it. Do you have the shelf space for it? Uh, well, I do because I sold both your house. My, <laughs> yeah, I sold both my altar quest, which I liked a lot, but I was able to sell it to a friend locally. So I'll still be able to play it. And my Drunagore to the same guy. Nice. So that opened up. And Drunagore is another one that I liked a lot. And the only reason I let it go was because I knew. I was going to have to go in deeper in the space. So. Junagar is one that I've been giving the stinky eye to because I really like it, but I don't pull it out because of how hard it's the table. But I also have the expansion stuff coming. So, like, it has to stay. And the expansion was even better. It's a hard one, though. It is a hard one to table. It falls into that campaign category. I just I don't play campaign games the way I should. Yep. So that's where I am. Though. And then, uh, so, Oathsworn, Stars of Akarios. So there's all that space that I've saved is <laughs> filled right back mm-hmm. up. And I think those are, uh, I feel like there's one more that's escaping my head right now. I'm going to look that up while you tell me yours. So for my three, you'll notice that none of those are campaign. Well, that's not true. Primal's half campaign, but Primal is an accessible shorter campaign. It's a, the campaign length is similar to Wild Descent, which is one of the few campaign games I've finished in my collection. Um, I mean, I'll go back into it, but I finished the cycle, so to speak. Uh, Primal is a monster hunting game, one that has that monster turning around, hunters, whatever, giant beasts, uh, different AI systems. I found it accessible, fun, and rewarding, and I am, I believe that I will actually finish that campaign because I finished Wild Ascent, and it's the same basic length, 10 to 15 games or so. Uh, then Mosaic. Mosaic we talked about briefly already, but it's kind of in the Terraforming Mars genre of games of build up a tableau, keep adding cards to tableau, factor in multiple scoring systems, and just try to continuously build up and develop stuff, taking quick rapid fire turns, just play a card, do a thing, play a card, do a thing, generate resources, do a thing, just round and round, just snappy turns as you uh, get into it. I think people who are looking for an X game, an exploration game where the map matters, I think they'll be disappointed. If you walk in understanding that the map matters very little, it matters, it does, but it's not like it dudes in a map game at all, then I think people can potentially really like Mosaic. I love it. Uh, and then lastly, Endless Winter. Deck building, art by the Micho, a million modules, possibly too many expansions. I don't know. I don't really care. The base game alone is enough for me to be excited and interested. I really enjoyed my plays of Endless Winter. I really enjoyed the multifaceted scoring options on the table, uh, the art, the development, the direction, the deck building, every card mattering. Really, really enjoyed Endless Winter. And so... I was having a hard time. The reason I couldn't think of my third is because I was having a hard time. And actually, yes, Endless Winter is very fun. Let's be clear on that. That's the only <laughs> one of those that, that I've actually played. I was torn between three. I'm going to curious if you can guess which one is the top of my list. So there's Role Player Adventures. There is Crisis at Steamfall. And there is Tourists were the three. So Tourists and Steamfall are Euro-y type, type games. And then Role Player Adventures is, you know, Dungeon Crawl Adventure game. I'm going to go with Role Play Adventures at the top of your list. No. It is mm. actually Tourist. Tourist? I T- remember that one. T-U-R-R-I-S. It's this kind of, kind of apocalyptic-y worker, not worker placement, uh, 
Euro style game that. Yeah, I, that's the one I remember. Yeah. And I don't know because it's, it's a while now. I don't remember what it was that had me so excited. But now that it's on the, I think it's on the boat now, something like that. It's coming soon. I'm mm-hmm. just going back and checking. It's like, oh, did I miss an update? Did I miss? And I don't know why. I just, I, I just, I'm super excited. And I haven't even gone back and looked to figure out what it is I'm so excited about. But I put a lot of money into it. So it must be good, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how Kickstarter works. That's how, that's how it works. Yeah. And then actually, then it would be Steamfall and Role Player Adventures is actually my order. So um, way to be totally wrong. Wow. Well, you were baiting me with that. You gave me the Dungeon Crawl. Uh, I know, Crawler, I know. Like I set you up. That would be me being like, uh, hey, guess which one I'm excited for? Here's a command game. And here's two games you never heard of. And you'd be like, well, the command game. No, trick you. No, it's Geisha's Road. Geisha's Road would win against the command game. I'm sorry. Accessibility matters. I play Geisha's Road a lot more than most of my command games, except for maybe Marvel United. I play Marvel United a lot. All right. So only one. The game that you've backed that you are least excited that you think maybe you done blew it. A game that I blew it that I shouldn't have backed? Yeah, that, you, that you're having backers regret. You're going to be so mad at me for mine. I can't wait. Oh, why don't you do yours first? Because I don't, I didn't prep for that. I need to take a look. Go ahead. The Witcher. Um, I mean, you didn't play it. You can have the regret. I don't care. Yeah, I You'll... feel I was very disappointed with the the solo rules. I was like, oh, so I'm definitely not going to play this game solo. So I didn't back it for the solo. The solo to me was a, hey, maybe I'll play it solo. That's not why I backed it. Yeah, so that that that's what so maybe you can talk talking back into it. When one, do I need? I I didn't get. I'm not getting all the minis. I'm just getting okay. minis. I, I don't know. I don't know the spaces. Same thing with Oswan. I didn't get all the minis. I got mm-hmm. the standees. So space. I haven't, and I did back the sorcerers expansion because I I I do did want the gender diversity and sure. sorcerers are cool. Do I need the boats? No, I can't imagine you do. Uh, for me, the legendary hunt is far more appealing than the boats, but that's my own bias. All right, so you're out of time. There's got to be one. I, I don't have a lot that I... Petrichor, Petrichor, that's one. That is Oh, one. that's the cows thing, right? Yeah, Petrichor is one that I wasn't going to back. And then I, it was such a good price on the game. And I was like, I kept on pushing off playing this one. Maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll back it. And I backed it. But partially because I was intrigued by the game and partially because the all-in bundle was such a good price on all the content which is a terrible reason to get a game. I'm not in this to make money. If I happen to make money in a pledge, that's nice. I'm in it because I want the board game. And the problem is, it's not that I don't think Petrichor is good. It's that I wonder when it does show up on my shelf, at my doorstep, will it be played when I'm looking at Petrichor and all these other games I really want to play? That's the struggle I have with it. I was tempted by that game because Mark Dainty said it was great, but mostly because it had something to do with the cows. I was like, cows are a board mm-hmm. game? I'm intrigued. Yeah. I never went any further than that. All right, so we've done all that. For everyone who's been watching the past five weeks, this is the last time we're going to see the Sovereignty infomercial because we are wrapping up that sponsorship run. Though, next week or next episode, we'll have a brand new one because Sovereignty has been lovely enough to sign back up to be our sponsor for another six episodes and we'll see where you go from there so everyone get ready for the sponsor bump boom and now a word from our sponsor are you tired of getting set for your digital game night and finding out 
you just don't know how to work the program? You do everything you can think of. You struggle. You give it your best, yet, at the end of the day, it's just hopeless. You feel like you'll never be able to digitally game again. But don't worry. There is a solution. With the Sovereignty Digital Gaming Platform, it's no trouble at all to almost immediately get right into the game and play with all of your friends. No fuss, no muss, no figuring out what keys do what. Just pure fun. You can find more information about Sovereignty in the description of this podcast or video. Okay, so we made you wait, I don't know, 90 minutes or however long, so we can talk about too many bones. And there are many, many bones. And for those of you who don't know, Too Many Bones is an adventure game where each day and each game you play will have anywhere from, I believe, seven, five or seven up to 12 different days, which each day is an event that you're going to do as you're making your way towards the big bad, the tyrant that you're going to try to take down. And as you're playing, you're leveling yourself up. And when you level up, for the most part, you're getting new dice. Each die is a different ability. It does a different thing. Every different character has a huge two-sided page that explains everything that they do. There are, I don't know, 20 different characters, maybe more, and tons and tons of unique dice. And this comes from Chip Theory Games, so there's no minis. Everything's done on poker chips, and you're stacking poker chips up for the health and taking the chips away as you go through. And you're battling it out on this small... I believe it's a four by four grid. Does that sound right? Generally, with minor exceptions, if you play with, well, with Undertow. Undertow, yeah. right, right. And whatever Unbreakable is going to do, I don't even know. Unbreakable is all about the lava flow. It's not about changing the four by four grid. It's about making sure that the places you step on are burning you. Oh, I can't wait. Um, and we're going to, and we'll talk, talk about that in just a second that I don't know anything about it. Um, and going through on this small little tactical battle mat and you're battling it out and you have six rounds or five rounds to battle it out. And after that, everyone gets tired and starts to slowly die, which kind of keeps the game moving. And the big shtick about this is this is, I don't know if it's the first one, but it's one of the first games that I ever played where missing is sometimes good. Because every time you miss, you're powering up oh. your bone meter your your bone track and there are times when i'm when you're playing they're like please miss please miss please if i can just miss this i can win and that to me blew my mind so that is too many bones i'll let you take off and talk about it however you want and oh before you do i will say so i didn't know about the lava flow because i backed the new stuff all of it Mm -hmm. didn't even look at it why would you it's too many bones Nope, didn't have, didn't care. I was like, and yes, I did check to see if it would fit in my trove chest. I have to buy a little something and it will fit. Done. That's all I care about. That's how much I like this game. All right, go for it. So I don't need to say all that much about it. What What I can say is both of us decided to jump back into Too Many Bones and do a review of the game because we love it that much and we just never got around to it. 
Uh, Too Many Bones is one of my favorite games in my collection. It's, I don't know if it's officially top 10 material, but if it isn't, it should be. I should be, I mean, I'll be adjusting my list this year at some point. I, it may or may not make top 10, but I- Well, you do have, have to... at least 15 Zombicide, so it can, can't be more mm, than number 16. Yeah, you're right. I'll be number 16 then. But Too Many Bones is, it's such an epic, unique adventure uh what it does and it does so well and it's so tactical and it's so rewarding and diving into a new character is such a feeling of like oh how can i manipulate and enjoy this new approach literally i can go through the same campaign again and again and again and all i have to do is change the character and i feel like i'm playing an entirely different experience and sometimes you don't even have to change the character just change the way you level them up yeah so i I, in my review i talked about patches he's one of my my one of my two favorites from the core box patches and tantrum Ooh, tantrum's fun i'm i'm, and, I'm currently in the middle of, of learning the flow of tantrum he's new oh, to me tantrum is great but my go-to move with patches is i go down the experimental drug tree which is just one it makes me laugh because as we're on the battlefield it's like hey alex you want to try these experimental drugs it might poison you i don't know what's going to happen which i love mm-hmm. but he can also go down like the bone saw path and just chop people up or he can do a little bit of healing. He's a very bad healer for a healer, but either way, it's a really totally different experience. And the the other one that I think of for, for that is Gilly, the hunter, how sometimes you can go down a pet tree, you can go down a trap tree, or you can go down. I'm just going to throw a whole bunch of attack dice at you and hope you die before you can do anything tree. And, just the same character just amazing yeah it, it, it it's an insane game i mean it's an insane system it's one that i guess here's here's what what's telling about it okay i haven't checked in the past few days so it might be off by now but what do you think the average pledge number was the average amount pledged per backer in too many bones the campaign the uh, unbreakable or the previous an unbreakable an unbreakable what was the average amount pledged per backer i'm going to say $300 Ooh, you are close. The average amount pledged for a backer worked out to, uh, what's it called? $286 when I last checked. Okay, for context, I haven't done this yet, but Zomicide is a fairly popular game with a fairly loyal uh, audience. What do you think their average was uh, per backer on their last campaign? Oh, uh, the Wild West, right? Yep. I'm going to say... Keep in mind, they also have like five hundred dollar all in places. Well, I know what well, they and, and they 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 have all the add-ons that just yep. get more and more and more and more expensive. I, I'm I'm gonna say two hundred and ten, one hundred and fifty-six. Wow, the average I mean, a lot of people number. just got the base game. Well, a lot of that not that's that a lot of people back these things with a single dollar pledge. And they never upgrade. The amount of backers you have who never upgrade, who who math it out. I mean, I could do the math right now. We have twenty one thousand backers in the Zombicide pledge, and then official official people. We have let's see, twenty one 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 sixty minus people can watch me do math. It's the best minus six seven zero nine minus four three four it's six. Even better for the people who can't watch or just listen. Oh, one second, twenty one thousand minus ten thousand minus. Let's see. Sorry, we got 6,500. We have 4,000 people, 4,500 people who backed at a dollar on Zombicide. Okay, 4,500 people who backed at a dollar never bumped it up. Usually those dollar backers bring down the average extensively. But the average backers on a Too Many Bones campaign, they are passionate. And they are passionate because they know what they're getting themselves into. Because like yourself, you're like, oh, 200 plus dollars for all the new content for a game that I already don't use all the content? Sign me up. 
what's in it? I don't care. We'll deal with it later. That there's not a lot that engenders that degree of laissez-faire approach with our, our money, with our time, with where our gaming shelf space, mental energy and money goes towards. Yeah. Too many and and I have become very particular with, with what, what I back, um, at least actually back there's Sometimes I back stuff cause I'm you know helping out with some media stuff, but you know, that mm-hmm. doesn't count. So very, very, very much so. And I think, um, well, and, and the, the all in pledge of everything ever, there's an $1,100 pledge that you can get. Yeah. And I don't know if you're on the page and it tells you, but people are doing it. There's like 200 people. And th- that was the most baffling, by the way. That one actually I find less intriguing because the people who are loyally dropping $300 at the blink of an eye, those people make sense to me because they played too many bones. Of course, they're going to do that. The people who are dropping 1100 means they didn't have too many bones. That's that's why I'm a little more confused. And sometimes it's because they played it. Other times it's because they have the base game alone. They did the math and the discount you get makes it so that you may as well get another base game and sell it. But those are the ones that are more interesting to me, the ones who are willing to go all in without having owned a decent chunk of it. Yeah. And so I, I guess the, the question I'll, I'll toss out of, because we're clearly both very pro, pro, pro bones here. Pro bono? Pro, pro bono. Pro bono. Pro bono. There we go. So the, the question I want to toss out is, why should someone back this, assuming they have the money? Oh, my God. People, if you don't have the money, please don't back a game. Okay, you know, <laughs> let's just be clear on that. But people who have the money and can do this comfortably get a portion of it. Why should they back it? And someone who's not sure, why maybe shouldn't they back it? So people who have the money should, wait, what's the first question? So you're just, this is just you're only talking to people who, who, can, who can afford this, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, why don't, don't, don't break it back. But so why should you, if you're on the fence and someone who's on the fence, you know, why? No, maybe this, maybe you shouldn't back this, yeah, but mo- reason, money's not the issue. So the reason you should back it for the people who can afford to do so is from every game, from every board game I have ever played, Too Many Bones has the most intricate and rewarding character progression system I've seen in any genre in any game board game i've ever played granted there will be a subset of people who are like well an rpg can do that sure i don't play rpgs in terms of a board game experience it has the most intricate and rewarding character experience every single character and they're all going to run you like 25 30 bucks for an additional character but every single one is worth it it's an entirely new board game experience to me and that's what makes too many bones stand out there's a lot of things that are good about it but the thing that to me is the best about it is the degree to which the characters feel like their own individual fully fleshed out gaming systems. I'm going to piggyback on yours because I'm going to, because that's the same thing for me, but it's sure. a slightly different reason. Everybody I play with, you can almost see their personality in the character they take and how they build it. Like it is amazing. So streamline Matt, will dominate the game as gasket you give me gasket and i can't walk but let me be experimental drug patches or tantrum in his rage and i'll kill everything for you something i really appreciated that happens i just recently introduced uh, shira shira from the crackle channel i introduced her to too many bones recently and i set the game up and I chose uh, duster as a character for her because i thought duster fit her personality and i put duster on the table in front of her and she sits down to play the game and she's like, why'd you pick this character? And I'm like, because it seemed to fit your personality. Apparently, when she was at Gen Con at the Chip Theory Games booth, she spent a few minutes talking to the woman there. And the woman gave her a duster pin and said, try that character. I think you'll like her. She seems like she's you. 
and it's like from awesome. all the characters i was like i just picked out the that character that somebody else had pegged as being a good fit for her so that's a good story well and, um, and that's as, so so cool because it was like one of the as i talked about my, my buddy Max, yeah. some other people who you know he, he's not a chaotic guy mm-hmm. he's just not and so you play you, you gasket that's not chaotic or pick it you know play one of those whereas for me i'm all about the chaos the other one that i love is dart the one on the board that you can just dart, flip yeah. the whole mat over yes love it all right so those are our why pros. Why should you not get it if you're on the fence? I don't have a great answer for you. Too many bonuses, a lot of things, right? And you can get a lot of the same type of experience from a game called Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, which you can frequently find for in the $40 range. The character variability and in-depth is not there to the extent that it will be in too many bones, but it's still there. You're going to get a lot of that nuance, of that strategy, of that dungeon progression, Additionally, and something worth addressing, is Too Many Bones, the battle mat. The movement is not going to be the same kind of movement you're used to in a dungeon-crawling game. And while that works for me, I find almost consistently that people who do not like Too Many Bones, and there is a subset of people who do not like it, generally they find that battle mat not rewarding. Congratulations, I plock down a chip and I don't move the whole battle. Now for myself, I don't find that true. I do move and I do tactically adjust and I try to figure out how to block and move and adjust and whatever it is. But granted, it's not going to be the same level of movement management as there is in your typical dungeon crawler. So I think the cost point compared to something like Jaws of the Lion, which gives you a decent amount of the same experience at a much cheaper price point, compared with the fact that the movement is not as developed and fleshed out as many dungeon crawler games, might make too many bones an experience that if you're on the fence about, maybe there's another game for you. That's a good one. That's a good one. The the, the one that I was going to go with is, um, and I talked about this in my, my review recently, is it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, every character has an instruction manual, basically. Yes. I mean, and there are so many keywords. And you and then as you add in all the new stuff, because you want to add in the new stuff, and I have the new stuff, I have to play with the new stuff, suddenly they do something new. Like you're talking about Unbreakable. There's going to be lava. Oh my gosh. And I'm sure that means there's going to be another sheet of keywords to learn and try to yeah. internalize this new monsters for for four new characters side note super excited about the carcass with the meat hooks yeah don't know what he does and the carcass cookbook have you <gasps> seen that no they're doing a cookbook for carcass is it like going to be a real can i actually use it or is it going to be like gross Do we know? i don't know i haven't gotten that far i mean i want it either way but if i can yeah. actually side note total tangent my wife got me four my birthday a cookbook called meat and it is this thick you know for people just listening we're talking like an encyclopedia of just meat recipes mm-hmm. and then she got me the, the collect she knows that i like my, my deluxe games the collector's edition which has a sleeve and has like the reject recipes off to the side in there as well so that's cute yeah so if, uh, Car- carcass's cookbook i, I i'm in but back, back to my, my point is it can be completely overwhelming. And it's not, once you have internalized it all, it's very easy to play. Not easy to win, but easy to play. But it's a lot to get there. And you just, you got to be sure you want to put in that commitment. Because it's a commitment to, to learn all that stuff. Unless you want to, you know, every, every time a baddie comes out, hold on get the reference sheet, break, break does this. That sounds terrible. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that's how we deal with that. So 
heartbreak is the worst. Absolutely yep. the worst. And and what's interesting is that's also part of it because you know if you're fighting bog monsters, there's going to be break. Mm-hmm. So that's going to affect how you build. Tantrum wants to roll his bones, get his throwing axes, and just take him down from a distance. Yep. And so, but all of that you have to know. So it's, I'm not going to say it's a lifestyle game. It's not Kingdom Death Monster. But I feel like it's as close to one of those as you can get and still not be a lifestyle yep. game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely with that. But so, I mean, that said, if it sounded good, then you should go check it out, everybody. It's truly good. And the people who run Chip Theory Games are lovely humans. I don't know if deep down they, you know, are, are really eat puppies for breakfast or something. And Probably. this is the facade that they put on to like, what do you think inspired carcass? <laughs> Josh Welgus inspired carcass. Um, <laughs> That'd be great. But so it, just they're lovely human beings that are constantly out there doing nice things for people. And uh, just the, they're great. I really enjoy it. I got to interact with them a bit on uh, Burn Cycle, which is one of their previous ones. But we both clearly f- fully, fully recommend checking it out. And I'm just going to reiterate one thing that uh, Jeremy Howard, a guy that we both know, says often on Facebook. Don't just jump out and get this because Alex and Will are saying this is great. Do your research. It is a lot of money. Like it's truly a lot of money. I don't always talk about how much money you research by watching Alex and Will's videos about it. Yes. And then go and back it and say, how come Alex and Will's videos aren't on the page? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Do that too. Yeah. Cause well, the answer to that is because shut up and sit down is on the page. (laughs) That is why we are not. Um, But Oh, also everybody it's waterproof. Yeah. In case you wanted a waterproof game. I almost in my video got in the tub <laughs> like i really thought about it and i then i thought about my pandemic pounds and i thought we're not uh, no one's ready for that <laughs> but anyhow so uh that is too many bones uh we both love it check it out as always you can find down in the description how you can find alex and board game co on the the social medias and YouTube and all that. But if you listened to our previous one, you probably already did that. And please leave any comments with any questions that you might have. And the last thing I'm going to say is, Alex, please leave us with your gaming words of wisdom. And if you can remember what you said last time, something different. Mm, I don't remember what I said I last no time. I have no idea. I should have gone I have back no and clue. Also, I thought you were just going to say, please leave us. And I was like, well, that's a rude way to end the episode. Yet something so, you've heard so many times. Uh, yeah, I'm used to it. I'm used to you it. Just, just crawl under your table. Gaming words of wisdom. Gaming words of wisdom. I think it's something we, given that this is Kickstarter focused, I think it's something we touched upon in the episode already. Back what you want. Get what you want. Enjoy all the Kickstarter games and journey. But if you realize, if you wake up and realize, ask yourself the question before you back anything. If this exact game was on the shelf in the store in front of me, the exact game, the exact product, the exact price point, if it was on the shelf in my local gaming store in front of me, would I be paying that much money for it? And if the answer is no, why are you willing to do the same exact thing but getting it a year and a half from now? Don't get too caught up in the hype. If it's worth $200 to you, it's worth $200 to you. I have zero regrets about my my backing of Too Many Bones, Unbreakable, and getting all the content. But sometimes I do look at a game and I'm like, I wouldn't be paying this much if it were on the shelf in front of me. And that's the point where you should consider canceling your pledge 
and just playing a game you already own instead. That's, you know, that is two episodes in a row. I've been, someone's dropped really good advice and actually usable advice. My that's, episode wasn't last week. My episode was a while ago. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, no, no one, no one listened to that. Actually, that's not true. That was a very popular episode. But so uh, there you have it, folks. Thank you, Alex, for joining us. Everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, share, whatever you do on however you're listening to the podcast version, if that's what you're doing. As always, thank you so much for listening or watching. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Alexa, done recording. I'm also impressed that I don't see a shelf of Zombicide behind you anymore. Did you rearrange? Oh, no, just your head. <laughs> just your Look at head. me. I got rid of all my come on games. I like I like everything except for the part where I have to keep playing new games and don't have time for the old games. That is the only part I don't like. And I still play the old games, just not as much as I would like to. It just started raining here. I'd start wearing a sweater. We, 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 we've, well, I mean, we've been in a very long drought and we, we've had rain for like three days. So it's... It's funny because on the one hand, I'm like, ah, oh, it's raining. That stinks. <laughs> on the other hand, I'm like, it's raining. This is fantastic. They're not going to ration our water, <laughs> which, which is a thing that we do here sometimes. Yep. You know? I know.